0: Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. I'm going to take a little bit of time to explain from the scripture why do we dedicate babies instead of baptize them? And the, the main reason is really simple. Okay, you want to know my main reason? It's because I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And Was Jesus baptized as a baby or was he dedicated? Dedicated. He was dedicated. And there's a reason he was dedicated. And it's found in Luke chapter 2. I'll read it to you. Now Luke's gospel is the only gospel that tells us about the early days of Jesus as a child. John's gospel just starts off with, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. Dwelt among us, they skip the whole baby thing and just jumps into Jesus, his grown, mature appearance to the world as a, uh, uh, appearing to, to present the gospel. But Luke backs up to the days even before Jesus is born to his cousin who will be born. Uh, you guys know who his cousin is, right? John the Baptist. Well, if you know the story, this is how the gospel Luke opens, is the introduction of the forerunner to the Messiah. And now in Jewish culture, when you have a baby boy, the first week is the week for the woman just to rest. Um, there's a seven-day period. Uh, it's um, the time of what they call in the Levitical law of uncleanness. She's supposed to just like like same as in, in menstruation time. She's supposed to just rest and not to present herself in public. Just gets to she gets a break. You know, I mean, we should do this in our culture, by the way. But in the law, God had a lot more s- smarts than our culture sometimes, so so she gets the first seven days off. On the eighth day, the child is named. You got a whole week to get ready. On the eighth day is the day you name the boy and you circumcise him on the eighth day. Now interestingly enough, our scientists have just caught up to God and they discovered in just recent decades that a child's immune system is the strongest of its entire life on the eighth day. Really interesting fact that God just, coincidental, right? Of course, just, just happened to be. So circumcise the boy on the eighth day and give him his name. And then we turn the page and we get to Luke chapter 2 and we find out about Jesus being born. Let me just show you here. It says, and on the eighth day, this is Luke chapter 2, verse 21. When eight days had passed, before his circumcision, it says, his name was then called Jesus The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You remember the angel appeared to Joseph and told him, Mary is with child, but don't worry. He was concerned. He said The child within her is from the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. And so that child, he's going to be the one to save men from their sins. Told Joseph the whole plan of salvation. And here they give the name what the angel had revealed to Joseph and to Mary. Mary was also told this. And they name him Jesus or Yahshua in the Hebrew. We say Joshua, by the way, in English, but it's really Yahshua. There's no J in Hebrew. It's a Yad. Ya, it's a kind of a Yish sound in our language. So it's Yahshua, and it's Yahshua. It's a contraction. It's for Yehovah Shua. Yehovah is the, like the title of, like we would say, the Lord, the Master of the universe, the, the Lord. That's God's title. It's the Lord's salvation. And so we say in English, Jesus, okay? But that comes over to us from first to to, to the Greek, to Iesus, to Latin, and, and then finally to English, Jesus. So we get his name given here. And here we read on, it says, and when the days of the purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, then they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord, or dedication to the Lord. And this is part of their law, according to the law. If you had a girl, it's a little different. The woman's time of uncleanness instead of a week, she gets two weeks, okay? And it's not till the 15th day what you would name. And oh, I forgot, it says here, just so you know the culture, it says when the days for the purification according to of Moses were completed, when they finished... The days, it's the first week is for the rest, then the naming, and then, get this, if they have a boy, they get 33 more days to rest. If you want to look on Leviticus chapter 12, it says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say, when a woman gives birth to and bears a male child, she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And then it says, she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. And she shall not touch any consecrated thing nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. By the way, we really need to pay attention here. She gets 33 more days of rest. It's unfair what they do in American culture to the women. You know, they just had a baby. Give him a break. But God knew. He gives him 33. He gives him first week, then name the baby, and then you get a month off. A month and a couple days. Now, gals, is this a good idea? Does the Lord know what he's doing. Look, look at what happens if you get a girl. Verse 5 says, But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean for two weeks. And then, as in her menstruation, then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. Well, let's just double it from one week to two, from 33 days to 66 days. She gets to take a break. So even though I know Luke, now Luke is a physician, by the way, fully acquainted with Jewish culture. He doesn't tell us all the details. He just says, and Joseph and Mary did according to the law. You remember Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So every part of the law would be fulfilled with our Lord. He would do every part. Even as a baby, his parents would be fulfilling the law. They would follow according to the laws, what was directed, and they would do it. And so this is why we see Jesus uh, as my leader. I'm going to copy it. Was Jesus baptized as a baby? Is anyone familiar with any? There's no record of him being back. In fact, it won't be till 30 years later. When he will go to the river, and who, by the way, will be the one that that will baptize him? His cousin, John the Baptist, we just read about in the chapter before, will be the one that will baptize him. And when Jesus gets to John, John will say, No, I need you to baptize me. And Jesus, Don't know it, permit it, it fulfills all righteousness. I'm setting an example. Okay, John just do it. Listen, and John was going, No, you've you should baptize me, I should have, you know, you're the Lord. You know, Jesus, I love how Jesus is. He shows everything to us by example. Now, when people ask, why don't you baptize the infants? In the book of Acts, it tells us that you must repent and be baptized. Repent. Repentance is um, part of the whole get ready for your baptism thing. And I have the dickens of a time getting those little ones to repent. As much as I try, repent, you little torpin. I can't get a yes or no, did they really repent? <laughs> and what are they repenting for? I mean, there's a, they're fallen nature, I don't know. I mean, they're just so small. It doesn't, see, Jesus did everything so we would have the right example. That he was dedicated as a baby and, and presented to the Lord. Now, there's more to this. This custom of presenting the firstborn male, Jesus did not only fulfill here Leviticus 12, he fulfilled the other portion of the law, what Moses wrote about in Exodus. In Exodus, guys, Moses wrote something to us that says that God had purchased every firstborn. That the firstborn that would open the womb would be called holy, consecrated unto God. And this is a really interesting passage to me that I get to throw in on the date because Jesus was the firstborn, of course. Let me show you something in Exodus chapter 13 that God says that he gets all the firstborn. He paid for Him. he said. Exodus chapter 13, verse one says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify to me every firstborn, the firstborn offspring of every womb amongst the sons of Israel, both man and beast, he says, belongs to me. Now, if you read on through the chapter, you'll find out that the Lord will give direct instructions as to why this is what's so big deal? Why does God own the firstborn? Well, let me show you. Then it says, now the Lord said, when I bring you into the land of the Canaanite, verse 11, this is Exodus 13, 11. and it says, as he swore to you and to your fathers to give it to you, that you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, the offspring of every beast that you own, The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey, he says, you shall redeem it with a lamb. If you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. He says, and every firstborn amongst men, amongst your sons, you shall redeem. And it shall be that when your son asks in the times to come, saying, what is this that that you shall say to him with a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery? And it came about when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go. What did God do to get Pharaoh that straw that broke Pharaoh's back? And he told all the Israelites to take a lamb and to slay it and to take its blood, put it on a hyssop branch, paint it over the doorpost and the lintel of the house, and go inside and roast the lamb and eat the entire lamb. This was their last meal in bondage in Egypt. I find it really interesting. The blood of the lamb will be the thing that will be the covering, because it says then the angel of death was going to pass through Egypt, right? And everyone who was inside the house where the blood of the lamb was, what did the angel of death do? Passed over. That's where we get the name Passover. Death passed over. And so all of the firstborn that night though, the angel of death, every firstborn male in Egypt, every firstborn of the animals, they all died at once. That was the sign. God said, Pharaoh, I'm not fooling with you anymore. He hit him right where it hurt. You know, this is, this. I mean, that's his heir to his throne. God takes out Pharaoh's son and Pharaoh goes, all right, you guys can go get out. And he sends them on their way. And so the Lord declares, because I did this to Pharaoh and killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, that both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts." This is why we do this. You tell your kids this. This is why we do this. And therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the firstborn of every womb, but the firstborn of my sons I redeem. There was a, an edict given by God to Moses to redeem every firstborn male, every firstborn of the animal. And if you didn't, if you didn't redeem the, the firstborn of your donkey, what do you have to do to it? Kill it. You say, well, that is cruel. Why would God do that? Because he's trying to make you remember what he did to set him free. And interestingly enough, 25 years ago, I heard a study done by, I think it was the Billy Graham group. They did a study of a census. They they went through the United States and they asked what position in your family were you born into? And they asked all the ministers of all the different denominations it was over 96% all, I mean, we're talking Baptist, Catholic, any, any of the guys in ministry, they asked, what, what lineup, where in the lineup were you born in your family? The over 96% were firstborns. Is that a coincidence? No, God knew exactly. He said, "I re, I paid for them. Them firstborn are mine. They're set apart for me. Now, Jesus was the firstborn. And Luke tells us, according to the law, Mary and Joseph went up to the temple to present him to the Lord. Now, let me share with you the presentation. On that day when Jesus was brought to the temple, he gets this wall set up so that Mary and Joseph are going to go up to the temple now, and they're going to go to present their baby to the Lord. By the way, they have to bring, according to the law in Leviticus, a presentation of a sacrifice, a payment for the redemption Just like when when you wanted to redeem, the donkey had to give a lamb. When you want to redeem your child. Now, if you're poor, the Lord even accounted for the people who are poor. They could give a couple pair, pair of turtle doves. You know, some small offering. But they still had to do the whole offering. Why? It was symbolically saying, we're redeeming, we're paying for the firstborn. Like God has told us to do. There's a price to keep this. And Christ, by the way, is our price. He paid to redeem us. But here, he's gonna fulfill the whole law when he does this. Now, when he gets there, I love this part. Look with me at at Luke chapter two. It says, then it came about, they went to offer a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, according to what the law said in verse 24. Now, you could offer actually more than this, uh, a lamb, you could offer more expensive animals, but it tells me that Mary and Joseph were not wealthy. By what Luke includes here, if I was to read Leviticus chapter five, they don't opt for the expensive offerings. They go with the poorest, the poor man's offering. So it just tells me Joseph and Mary were of humble means. But what a day this dedication is gonna be for these parents. When they get there, verse 25 tells us, there was a man from Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. It says, and Simeon was a righteous man, a devout man. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit of God was upon this man. And it says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God's Spirit just told him, you're not gonna die until you see the Messiah, the Savior that will come. And so he came in this Spirit to the temple, and also it says when the parents had brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, and he takes the baby into his arms and he blesses God. And he says, now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. In other words, I have seen your salvation. You can take me now, Lord. What a good day. I have seen the Messiah. Now, can you imagine if you're married? When a gal has a, a, a baby boy inside her, she got all those testosterone hormones forming the baby and, and she's wired with estrogen and then the baby's birthed and then all of a sudden the body's got to revert. There's a whole roller coaster ride that goes on. And then she gets this old guy, a devout man. She's going to hold your baby. And what's he say? Oh, look at this child. I could just see him. Oh, Lord, look up to heaven. Lord, you can take me now. I've seen your salvation right here. He's holding the savior and he knows it. He knows it. Now, what if you're married? You had a bad hormone week last week. You It's been a little rough. And then you hear this old guy, really devout man, crying out to God, thank you, God, go ahead, take me, I can die now. You've let my eyes see your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He starts declaring this. And your mom going, it was a rough week last week, but it's getting better. You know, it's nice for a mom to hear good things about their baby. They worked hard for that. They get the baby and, and there's this man declaring, this is the light to the Gentiles. This is the salvation promise to the Jews. This is it. Now she could have been, you know, having a rough week. Maybe last month's been a little bit of a challenge. But this day, She gets greeted with this greeting. How would you like that? And then, oh, it doesn't stop. Listen to this. His father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Now, also, there was a prophetess there, a woman named Anna, daughter of Fenuel, and she was from the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years. She had lived with her husband for seven years after marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple. She served night and day with fasting and prayers. You got this devout widow in the temple. She's 84 years old. She goes, um... At that very moment, she came up and she began giving thanks to God and she continued to speak of Him to all those that were looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Everybody, listen up. Anyone want to be redeemed from your sin? The Redeemer is right here. The Redeemer. Now, they're going there to give this little turtle dove offering according to the law to redeem their firstborn. But what are they hearing? We got something better than that. This is the Redeemer for everyone. This is the one, the Lamb of God. Now, skip forward just a couple chapters and they'll grow up. And, you know, of course, we don't have much of Jesus' life in between. We have him visit the temple at 12. He goes with his family up to Jerusalem again. You guys know that. That's all we get from the baby story until his adulthood. We get one little glimpse in between. Did anyone ever wonder why they threw that in? I have an insight that might help you. This comes from my Catholic upbringing. We got baptized as babies. But to be really honest, the baptism, if you study the, the whole thing, it, it's more like a presentation of the baby. The spirit of it is similar to what these guys did. They, they bring your baby to present him to the Lord. But does that mean the baby is saved because you presented him? No, it's the faith of the parents, it says, that is a covering to that child until they come to an age of understanding where they're old enough to understand. And they have in the Jewish culture a thing called the Bar Mitzvah, to announce the changing of that child from baby mind to adult enough to understand for themselves. In other words, they're able to stand up and confess their own faith, to come as a young adult and say, now I believe because of me, not because of my parents counting it for me. We don't know. It does not say that he was there for his bar mitzvah, but I suspect being 12, and the only thing given to us that they went, his parents went up to Jerusalem again, and they go up there for the feast, and what happened? They departed to go home afterwards, right? Doesn't tell us. They could have gone for his bar mitzvah. I suspect they did. This is why. Because on the way back, it says they travel a couple days journey, and they suppose that he was with you know, some of the relatives or some, some, someone in the gang, right? And what happened? They couldn't find him anywhere. Wasn't with them, so they had to go back. And when they got back, where'd they find Jesus in Jerusalem? He's in the temple. And what was he doing? He was teaching. He was discussing with the rabbis. If God is God and, you know, and this would be, by the way, an act of adulthood. You don't have the child teach a rabbi in Jewish culture. That's why I think it's possible that was his. He was bar mitzvah, what the Jewish would accept as you're now of age of understanding for yourself. And Mary's like, "What are you doing, son? You really freaked us out." And he's like, "Mom, don't you know I have to be in my father's house?" Did he know who his father was? Yeah, that's the only thing from. We, we get this account of baby dedication, skip forward 12 years, back at dad's house, and this time he's teaching, and then we skip forward to 30 years old when he enters his public ministry and says, John, baptize me. And so when people ask me, why don't you baptize them little guys? I said, I prefer to present them to the Lord the way that Jesus was presented. I'm going to follow Jesus. He's my example. And when they get to the age of understanding, then they can choose. And that's why we dedicate or present babies to the Lord. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled, Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Watching shadows lengthen